0: This is not the sound of a stream running through the mountains. It's water from a leaking pipe trickling down a stairway. That's not a frog splashing into a lake. It's a piece of sheetrock falling into a puddle on a kitchen floor. And that's not a hiker taking a deep breath of mountain air. It's a homeowner gasping at the sight of a $12,000 water damage repair bill. 40% of homeowners have experienced water damage. Protect your home with the Moen Smart Water Monitor and Shutoff.
1: spring is here and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with uber eats what do we mean by almost well you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered a cabana that's a no but a banana that's a yes a nice tan sorry nope but a box fan happily yes a day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and Select Markets. Product availability may vary by regency app for details.
0: This episode is brought to you by Saks.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com.
1: Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily,
0: ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products.
2: Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name's Tom Marvin, Senior Technical Editor here at BikeRadar.com and at MBUK Magazine as well. Joining us in the studio today are two of our tech titans from the curly barred world. First up we have Senior Technical Writer Simon Von Bromley. How are you doing Simon?
3: Yeah, very well Tom. Always a pleasure to be on the podcast with you.
2: It's a rare occurrence but when it happens it's always a joyous occasion I think. Absolutely. And we also have our senior row technical editor, Ashley Quinlan. How's it going, Ash? Very well, thanks. Lovely stuff. Ash, what have you been doing recently?
1: Uh, I got back from a skiing holiday a couple of weeks Ooh. ago, which was very nice. I brought back some lovely bell Well, I think I think it's Bulgarian delight, not Turkish delight. Uh, for everyone, you've been helping yourself to that today. I think you? I've probably
2: had
3: more than my fair share. Yeah.
1: yeah so is that why your hands are shaking? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everyone was glad to see you. you
3: came back without an injury.
1: Yeah, I had no injuries. So <laughs> although I did come back with the uh, Bulgarian flu, whatever that. Well, that may be. Great. So uh, yeah, I felt awful last week, but uh, on the mend this week. So uh, back in the studio. Very Good. Hard. Are you testing anything fun? uh i'm i've been doing some alloy wheels okay. recently uh so cost effective alloy wheels around the sort of 500 pound price point tricky uh yeah yeah and uh <laughs> yeah i'm moving into b- my bike of the year testing uh this week actually so exciting time
2: what um bike of the year road category have you got
1: i've got the budget category oh, okay. this year uh so last year i did the performance category uh where we had like all-rounder race bikes mm-hmm. whereas this year i thought i'd do something a little bit different
2: yeah I always think budget bikes are really interesting to test because the differences can be really stark at that sort of lower end of the market Mm. where, you know, different... Component choices from the you know the product managers make a real difference to things. Whereas at the top end, everyone's got like Gucci gears and fancy wheels and all that sort of. Thing. They all feel very similar. Yeah, no, the budget I agree a bit more interesting.
1: Yeah, I think so. And we've gone for around the thousand pound price point this yeah. time. uh yeah, There's a couple of bikes slightly under that, a couple of bikes slightly over that. But yeah, um and uh, I can I'm sure I can ex- reveal now we have one rim brake bike in there as well, Ooh. which is uh, hot news for 2024.
2: What would it have been last year? Has that changed?
3: We had a Cannondale, a last, Cannondale uh-huh. Cad... 13? 9, no, oh. not the 13's got this. So it's like oh. a Cannondale Cad 9 or, you know, something Cad. Sure. But it was, I think it, I believe it won oh. that category last year because it's a very good bike. And, yeah, you know, there's yeah, nothing yeah. wrong with rim brakes if that's still your cup of tea. Great.
2: Lovely stuff. All right. Simon, what have you been doing recently?
3: Uh, well, I just had a little bit of time off because um, it was half term. So I've been doing a lot of childcare. Mm. Um, but I have been also just, yeah, been, I've been on the turbo a lot. You know, testing some new things. You know, some sort of other kind of things we might talk about in this podcast, Uh actually. But yeah, so that's been involved. I've got my first gravel bike that I built up, so been been riding that indoors and outdoors. Nice, very fun. What's your gravel bike? It's a Kinesis Uh GX Race. And I brought the frame set on sale, built it up with a kind of hodgepodge of parts that mm-hmm. I had, you know, it kind of accumulated over the last Durace, few years.
2: Di2, Prince of the <laughs> Wheels. <laughs> Correct.
3: Yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. No, it's um, it's kind of got like a mix. I brought a GRX rear derailleur. It's got some 105 shifters, an Altegra crank set that I had, mm-hmm. you know, like a set of wheels that i had from a previous bike tyres that I nabbed from our workshop yeah <laughs> so um, but yeah so, but that's been really fun and and obviously you know like this is the, the kind of the running joke here at the Bike Radar but British British gravel is very much like British mud yeah. in, the, in the winter so it's, it's been kind of fun to get out and slip and slide around mm.
2: Nice. And I, I, there's some chat in the office today about a, a review you've just finished. I don't know if we want to
3: reveal what it is, but a rare five stars. Yeah, the um, Fervero Asioma Pro MX SPD power meter pedals. Uh-huh. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, like that. that's what I've been testing, basically. It's the, the kind of Fervero's first uh, off road power meter pedal. And it's just really good. You know, we, we try to be critical here, but, uh, I you know, without kind of like really going out of my way to, pick out faults like they are excellent you know the data is really good they're robust you know I've submerged them in puddles when I mm. didn't realize they were quite that <laughs> deep I've smacked them on rocks and when you go off down a gravel path and it turns out to be a you know a rock <laughs> a rock garden um they've been through the mud like yeah uh, uh, and yeah they're you know they're kind of cheaper than the rest like the replacement pedal bodies are cheaper than the rest as well which is always good obviously because you know you know, an off-road pedal is inherently exposed mm. to more, to more damage so so that's good they've got an an, an interesting new design where if anyone's familiar with uh, fevereiro pedals the road ones have always had that kind of big pod on the spindle yes which doesn't affect performance but it doesn't look amazing mm-hmm. um but these new ones have just got rid of that they've completely updated the design so it's all within the spindle so it looks they just look like a normal pedal for all intents and purposes um so yeah really really good really and and like yeah you know we kind of it's had that discussion and like you know what what are we gonna we can't just you know what we're gonna criticize got Mm. to criticize something but it's 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 a tricky one a rare and and actually no like as a tester that that's a kind of a nice one in a way Mm because like when power meters we'll we'll talk more about this later but when power meters are not five stars it can be quite tricky because you have to rule out that you've it's not just user error yeah okay great sounds
1: good do you think we should ask our, our great and noble host what he's been up to as well? Nah, not interested. No, <laughs> not no, interested. No one wants to know.
3: <laughs> what have you, what, to, what have you been up to? Tom? Oh, <laughs>
1: oh,
2: a double barrels. Uh, what have I been up to? Well, I am about to start my trail bike of the year testing um tomorrow. Fingers crossed. Um, it's a little bit late to be starting it, but such is the way of the world. Last week though, uh, it isn't published yet, but uh, look out to your YouTube screens soon, so don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube Bike Radar channel, the Bike Radar YouTube channel, as it's also known, um, for a video coming out with um, Hattie Handen, who is Trek Factory Racing's sort of do-it-all racer in many respects. She races the uh, EDR, which is basically the Enduro World Series in its with its new acronym she also races downhill so she's represented great britain at the world champs she's also raced through the world cups um, but in the past she's also raced site and cross country to a very high level and has been very successful in doing so um, so i did a pro versus punter feature to work out if there was a way that I, I'm the punter, uh, could... You're the sorry. Oh, right. Okay, I'm right getting yeah. confused there. <laughs> yeah. To work out those ways, if I could beat Hattie and down a black run at Bike Park Wales. Uh, so we did some timing um, with a few different bikes. We won't,
3: wait, we won't spoil the results we right? won't spoil the book. it
2: should hopefully <laughs> fingers crossed it was a fun couple of days for me whether or not it will re- result into a fun <laughs> video who knows i'm not going to be the one who's editing it so well, I'm, I'm sure
3: it's going to be excellent tom from what i've heard from the videographers and all involved it's going to be well worth a watch
2: fingers crossed so yeah look out for that in a, in a few weeks time on the youtube channel and of course uh, in mbuk issue 433 which should be on sale in a couple of weeks so yeah that's Great. what i've been doing Right, we have warbled on more than enough, and we've hinted a little bit at the content of uh, this episode. And of course, if you've read the title of this episode, you might already have a bit of a tip as to what's going on. But a few weeks ago, uh, the mountain bikers of the Bike Rider podcast discussed some of the bits of testing that we do. They're actually quite difficult to achieve. Um, and it was a really interesting conversation. And so we thought we'd have the same one for the road guys. Um, so basically, what bits of equipment that we test on a regular basis are actually quite difficult to test why are they difficult to test and how do we get around those difficulties are there are any tips and tricks that we use that you might not have realized you know on the mountain bike side of things if we're testing like waterproof gloves for example we stick our hands in our gloves with a load of toilet paper and shove them in the shower just to see if any water's getting through the gloves because when you pull your you know you get wet, uh, wet toilet paper so yeah if you if you're a mountain biker don't forget to subscribe to the Bike Rider podcast and scroll back a little bit and find that one because it's really interesting. And also, I'm pretty sure the next 20, 30 minutes or so are also going to be suitably interesting for all listeners, roadie or mountain bike. Hopefully. Hopefully. It could just
1: be us complaining that our jobs are really difficult.
2: <laughs> our jobs are difficult, but they're very interesting. They are. Um, and often, as we've sort of said before, like the, the more difficult ones are the more interesting ones as well. Yes. Right, Ashley, we're going to kick off with you because I think you've both got three each um, that you're regularly testing. So talk us through your first one, Ash.
1: My first one is when we come to test wheels and wheel sets. Mm. Now, I know I've just done um, uh, an alloy wheel set test, but actually quite often we're testing carbon wheels, or the mid or even entry level, high end stuff as well. So we try and get in a good mix of wheels that we test. And the trouble is that, you know, we try and control all the variables, Generally, when we're testing, but when you're swapping wheels on, you know, with the same tire as well, and the same, try and do the same amount of sealant, and the, and if you're using a tubeless setup, which is common, especially at the higher end, uh, seeing as that's how the wheel set's designed to be used. When you're really honest, when you've got a wheel set that has exhibits the same kind of design and rim design and rim depth and width and all that stuff, when you get them both on the road, it is the devil's job trying to work out the difference between different models and you can have and i've had it before now in in the past where i've had three or four different sort of models of of wheel sets that just perform almost identically now the design of them may be quite fundamentally different they might use different nipples they might use different spokes they might use different hubs they might use different you know carbon layups and different designs you know i've, I've had sort of the cross 3k crosshatch sort of design before now and then a, you know a unidirectional style of, of carbon layup before now and tested them side by side and the reality is that the differences are so tiny that if anyone were to buy one of the wheel sets and not to be able to do back to back testing like we are fortunate enough to do here, you'd be perfectly happy with one and not the other just because that's the one you've bought yeah. if it is an improvement on what you had previously or it achieves the kind of characteristics you want so that's where I'd like to open really it's really difficult to test wheel sets and to pull out all those nuanced differences because we're relying upon that kind of subjective feel mm-hmm. and as Simon and I discuss often in 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 the office every day is different so if the wind's blowing in a slightly different direction down one of your favourite pieces of road one day, you're going to feel slightly different and think, oh, this, this wheel set feels great, or this wheel set feels quite draggy. And and the reality is that if you if you were to do that, you know, we, we can't do as much testing as this, but if you were to, uh, you know, aggregate all of those, say, 100 times down the same street with different kind of wind conditions, 100 different days, we don't have that amount of time. But if we could do that, you'd probably find that all wheels felt about the same anyway. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, pulling out those differences is really difficult, and that's a real that's a real problem when people are being asked to spend, you know, a thousand pounds, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, two thousand pounds, or, or you know, as some of the 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 incredibly. High price wheels, four and a half thousand pounds for a Princeton set of wheels. We 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 talked about, you know, the ones recently. that
2: Simon's got in his gravel bike. Yeah, that,
1: those yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. Those ones. So yeah, that's that. It's incredibly difficult to pick out those differences, and there are differences, and it it sort of takes the benefit of being able to do back to back testing and just knowing the roads that you're riding on and knowing the bike that you're using. But yeah, you'd think that with all the different ways that you can you know, lace rims to hubs and the different hub styles and ratchet-free hubs versus pull-based free hubs, all that stuff. At the end of the day, when you're pedalling, it's almost impossible to tell the difference. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. So I guess you come down, how would you then decide between, are you going to be looking at, like, hub engagement, weight, you know, all those sort of more measurable differences?
1: I think you've got to lean on them a little bit. But, you know, we're always... You know, Simon and I again also discuss quite often about you know how much does weight really make a difference, and you could say that yeah, 200 grams may make a difference, a, you know, a noticeable difference to your ride, but the the differences we're talking about the same kind of price bracket, 20 maybe 30 at the best case 100 grams, you know, sometimes compared from one wheel set to another. Again, it's really difficult to tell the difference. And it does matter where that weight is sighted as well. If it's in the hub, in central, then it could make a difference to, if not speed, then how the wheel set feels a little bit. But then, you know, it's very hard then to tap into what, do, what are you buying this wheel set for? Do you want this wheel set for ultimate reactivity or do you want this wheel set for actual speed? In which case that actually there are arguments to say that a heavier wheel set that's deeper would actually be faster for you, even if you're climbing to a large, a large extent. So, it, again, it's it, tapping into that and the nuances of that is, is, is quite the challenge.
2: I mean, the, the question on everyone's lips is, what's your favourite road for wheel testing? That's what I've been wondering for
1: the past few months. <laughs> my favourite road for wheel testing? Uh, I, I couldn't possibly tell you, because all the, all the other... It's a, ro- it's all a top secret. It's, a top, it's top secret, because all the other road tech editors have come along and just use the same piece of road, we can't be having we'll that. we see David Arthur down there. No, no it's it. my road! <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and joust him off his bike, yeah. Um, no, good old Dave, we love him. Uh, so, yeah, it's as i say it's extremely difficult and what you can find is i think the marketing machine plays a really powerful role here and that you can have all the features and all the you know carbon spokes for example was something we spoke about you know in the not too distant past where so does it doesn't make any difference really to your to the to the ride that you're getting or the speed that you're you're producing if you want speed probably not not really and is it worth the extra money that you're spending on that well, who are we to say whether spending an extra six hundred or a thousand pounds versus a standard alloy or steel spoke wheel set w- wouldn't wouldn't be a better investment for your mm-hmm. money? Could you not find the same kind of speed for for less money? So, it's that that's a theme that runs through almost every product review that yeah, we do. Yeah, of course. Do. Yeah. But with but with re- wheels specifically, because you're being asked for such a high premium at that you know initial outlay, you know it becomes very you, we, it, it's really important that we try and find those differences for 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 readers simon any
3: thoughts on wheels yeah i think yeah you know, as as i said the kind of the difficulty in in testing a lot of these things is there are a lot of intangibles mm. you know with you know we often often on youtube there's some very popular channels that like to cut up carbon bikes carbon wheels and things like that and reveal what's going on in the inside and whether the kind of quality of the manufacturing is any good but we said that's simply not an option for us you mm. know no brand is going to allow us to chop open a set of wheels even if they're confident in the quality of their manufacturing you know they they want to get allow us to test the wheels and and then, you know, media sets, you know, we don't get to, we don't get to keep all this stuff and put, put them on our, <laughs> on our gravel bikes, they, it all, this sort of stuff, you know, generally all goes back, you know, because you know, it's any good, someone else is going to want to test it. So so we have to test it and then send it back. And and, and yeah, you know, things such as like aer- aerodynamic drag, for example, obviously very important whenever we're kind of reviewing an aero wheel set. It's a really tricky one because, you know, we can't afford to go to the wind tunnel for every single wheel test but you know even if we kind of did there are a lot of variables that like you know do you you test the wheel set on its own is that the right thing to do because actually you don't ever run a wheel set on its own it really needs to be in a bike but then what bike do you choose because actually then you're only getting results for that bike you know obviously you know the perfect is the enemy of the good and and you know we would always strive to do better testing like you know like i've got an aero sensor from the company aero sensor and testing aero wheels is something I've got in mind for that product so this this you know we're all as, as we'll kind of discuss in this podcast we are always looking to improve our testing methodologies and if if there is a way for us to reliably test the difference in performance between two aero wheel sets I would jump at the chance to do that but my kind of gut instinct is from having ridden loads of them as I said are actually all pretty similar mm. and and that actually you know, yeah, maybe in the wind tunnel or according to the aero sensor that, you know, the NV and the zips are slightly faster than, the, you know, the hunts or, or you know, I'm, I'm pulling these out of my head. You know, I'm sorry, Hunt, like that's probably maybe not, maybe unfair, <laughs> but they're kind of the general point is that like for, for most for most people, a similar rim depth, similar rim width, you know, if, if they're kind of all similar spec, they're probably going to perform similarly aerodynamically. But then, yeah, the differences are going to come in kind of like, do you care about what's in the hubs, for example? Mm. Do you care, as Ash said, about, you know, do you want carbon spokes? Or are you happy with kind of like cheaper pillar steel spokes or something like that? So it's really it's really tricky with wheels. You know, I know our colleague Oscar Huckle, for example, really like does a lot of miles, really values a well-built wheel with, you know, triple sealed hubs brass spoke nipples all of those sorts of things but those things we you know we see less and less of them these days because they're not sexy and they add a lot of weight which then makes the on paper specs look really heavy it, it as, as i said like 50 grams doesn't really make any difference to performance like it makes no difference to performance you know like especially on a wheel set like and if that 50 grams is going into extra aerodynamics or extra durability it's probably adding. Those are good things. It's probably a good thing, but it's really hard because people will come in and say, well, you know, but these wheels are so heavy, though, 1600 grams. Oh. Road bike wheels are, you know, they're, they're, they're very hard to pick apart. And, and we do our best, as I said, based on the kind of subjectivity of having just, you know, experience, basically. I think that that's the kind of the big thing. And yeah.
1: we, tr- we try not to pay too much attention to some of those marketing lead, lead things as well. We we state them as, 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 you know, the claimed facts. Yeah. Usually it's, you know, you. Save x amount of watts at say 45 kilometers an hour or something like that but i don't ride at 45 kilometers an hour very often you know no (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah maybe i do yeah Uh, but simon simon doesn't other i don't think
3: no not Uh, unless i'm in full time trial yeah (laughs) (laughs) full time trial mode and then it's on a dual carriageway when i'm drafting a lorry
1: yeah (laughs) but then you know you know so those claims don't really reflect what the person who's going to be buying these wheel sets you know it's more often to. than it's going to do yeah. so yeah and riding at slower speeds will probably end up meaning that you'll get less benefit from it yeah. anyway and the characteristics at slower speeds can change also and but we don't know because we don't have the data yeah so it's um it's always just taking a half step back every time we test wheel sets
2: all right should we move on from wheels let's move on to simon's next pick
1: well,
3: we'll we'll kind of segue into it because I think this is quite neat, and I, I think you know similar to wheels, tires, yeah, mm. are also very difficult to test
2: from sorry from the outside from a more mountain bike perspective. Mountain bike tires are all very different, different block shapes, different block heights, sure. different spacing between them. And then you look at a road bike tire, and they ain't got blocks. They're all the same width. They all got the same round shape. Mm. I'm, I'm with you. I don't know how you do this.
3: Yeah, and, and the, and the thing with tread on a road bike tire is it is essentially just there for show. You know, there are some tires now that manufacturers are claiming the tread has an aerodynamic benefit huh. or oh, w- water dispersal. Is that a thing? Not on, no. not on a road bike. Huh? No, no. It's one of
1: the great fallacies <laughs> of. Uh... Yeah. See, I thought yeah. like a
3: GP
2: five thousand or whatever it was with those like that funny like shark. Shape. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. no. No.
1: No, although that was I, I think continental they tried to claim that they accidentally made it more aero by having it, created some huh. kind of boundary layer or disturbance around the initial It's a bit like, like a golf ball yeah, the, kind, okay. of, the, the yeah. kind
3: of the kind of the tread on it can according to in the right your angle in, yeah the right, the right yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so yeah, yeah. From, from what from what i understand is it yeah, you know, it creates a, a turbulent boundary layer that can help the airflow stay attached to a rim for longer mm-hmm. assuming it's you know the right width optimized for the for the rim and and so on but and you're like, not measuring that simon not currently. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking for you know, ways. If, if, we get, if we get the tools to measure that, then I'll be all up for it. I think, you know, so it is, it is really tricky. And, and and actually, since I've joined Byte Radar, I've been looking for various ways to do it. You know, I've used rollers, for example. I've tried to do timed outdoor testing. You know, the differences are really small. You know, most recently, we have taken advantage of the uh, Silverstone Rolling Distance Lab, which was really good. We did a whole, like kind of big group test on that last year. You know, that was that was a really interesting test and we got some great data from that but of course you know it comes with the kind of caveat that a lab test is not the real world right and so we tried to then combine that data with our kind of subjective opinions of how easy was the tire to set up did it stay inflated or did you have to pump it up every two hours because it couldn't hold air you know like did it have good ride feel what did it feel grippy and things like that you know you, you know you can't learn everything about a tire from a lab test ultimately you do you know like with mountain bike tires you have to ride them in the real world so i think that's the kind of the way we've been uh moving more recently but it is tricky because yeah every now you know we can't take a tire to the silverstone lab every single time one comes in and even if we did the results from that test wouldn't necessarily be comparable to the past tests we did because you're doing it on a different day different as- atmospheric conditions you know if i took a you know, two different samples of a Conti GP 5000, you know, one on one day and one on another day, they're not exactly the same. There is some degree of manufacturing variation. And so like, you know, we only tested one sample tire from each brand at last year's test but in an ideal world we would have done you know maybe three or four samples and then averaged the results and then you know we would have done different tire pressures so we could have seen how you know then maybe had plotted a curve but this you know we have to pay for this stuff out of our own pocket (laughs) you know like the lab doesn't give us access to their equipment for free so that you know there's only so many things we can do But it is tricky, you know, that test threw up some surprising results. You know, in an ideal world, like obviously there are other excellent tyre testing websites out there. You know, bicyclerollingresistance.com is one. It's very, very good. Uh, UK-based AeroCoach, they do a lot of uh, tyre testing with rollers and then kind of riding around a velodrome and, and working it out that way you know, our results didn't completely align with theirs. And, and you know, in an ideal world, it would have been great if they had done because then that would have made things super easy, nothing to explain, we all agree, shake hands, <laughs> we're all amazing, aren't we smart people? But like, you know, it didn't. So then, you know, we kind of, we dug into our kind of internal, did we get everything right? We think we did. So that was just, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. It is, what it is. We're not going to not publish something just because it doesn't agree it with doesn't... what someone
2: else decided to publish.
3: Exactly, yeah. right. But obviously, yeah, like it certainly raises questions you know, if we do that test again, would we change things? Yeah, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. ideally, we I would just want to do more. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, like I said, a bit like with wheels, there's a kind of like, you know, very, like very, very small differences, you know, like between tires. And obviously, like, you know, like Asher said, you know, he claims, you know, a couple of watts at 45k an hour, like, I want those watts, don't yeah. get me wrong. <laughs> you know, like, even if I don't ride at 45k an hour, I'll get closer to it if I can have the fastest tire. Yeah. But, it isn't the be all and end all and and i think you know one of the things ash and i discussed when we wrote this test is actually like if you have something that you really like and you're really confident in a continental tire for example would you recommend would we recommend switching to you know a, a schwalbe or whatever maybe not even if even if one was one or two watts faster because having confidence in your equipment and being you know familiar with how it how easy it is to set up and how easy it is to live with is really important, like um challenge, for example, makes some really, really lovely tires, like beautiful handmade tubeless tires, but the ones that we had were just such a pain to set up tubeless. It just didn't feel worth it, even though they were super fast it it didn't feel worth it for me now, obviously, for someone else that that balance may be completely yeah. different maybe they're they have a compressor at home, very confident in their mechanical skills. And they really, you know, they they've, they value that extra speed. But, you know, those are the kind of subjective judgments that we have to make. Yeah.
2: Okay.
1: He's covered it fairly thoroughly there. Yeah. The other thing I'd add is, you know, when people are talking about tyres and, you know, and just my general riding life at the local club or, you know, with a home, you know, with my father and, you know, we were riding... Um, it's always the conversation doesn't necessarily always center around speed, because this was a speed based. Yeah. But there are other kinds of tires, obviously. There's all all weather tires, winter tires, et cetera, et cetera. Stuff that gives you more puncher protection and the thing. That the avoid the avoidance of punches is usually the main thing that concerns people. Yeah. So it doesn't matter necessarily if you feel for many people, it isn't about the the speed that they're getting or the efficiency. It could be about just avoiding punches, but getting good speed with that. Yeah. In which case, then, if they're confident that they've never, it could be the tyre that, technically speaking, probably punches more easily. But if it's the one that they've not had that experience on, then why would you change? Yeah. Why would you change if there's nothing contrary in your riding experience to change it? So, you know, when we do this testing, we try and keep it as empirical and as objective mm. as we can. We report on what we can feel as well with subjectivities. But when it comes to some of the stuff that really matters to people, sometimes that your best friend is your own experience, if you already yeah. have some.
2: So I guess it's worth sort of pointing out that our, t- you know, the tyres reviews that you guys have done aren't entirely based up on that lab test. They are that contributes towards it, but of mm, course, yes. all those other sort of more ethereal sort of inputs, whether it's how it feels on the road, how comfortable is it, how grippy does it feel, how mm. much confidence do you have, how easy to fit, how easy to pump up, those all contribute to a broader picture rather than just.
3: In the lab, this
2: one yeah, saved us two watts.
1: Exactly. Yeah,
3: hundred percent. You know, like the Victoria Corsa uh, Pro TLR was a good example of that, where like it performed. You know, the sample that we tested performed very poorly in the lab, but we didn't. That didn't automatically mean it was a one-star tire, yeah. because actually, in the real world, the ride quality was just fantastic, mm. and it felt very, very grippy, and you know, super, super supple casings that like they felt incredible. We didn't ignore the the kind of lab test results because you know they are what they are that's just that's what those are the results that we got but at the end, you know but they still got a kind of you know a good review because actually you know if, they're nice tires they're to nice ride. tires to ride yeah mm. lovely
0: this episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe
2: All right, Ashley, what is your next tricky thing to test?
1: Next tricky thing to test for me is saddles. Mm.
2: Mm. You haven't got everyone's bottom.
1: Well, no, I don't. And everyone's I've
3: got, bum's different. Ash has a collection of stunt <laughs> bottoms.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. I've got my bottom, and it's, and yeah, I mean, like this will probably be a very short-lived point, to be honest, because it should be fairly obvious to anyone that you know what one person finds is entirely different to what someone yeah. else finds. But more than that, it's not just about the comfort. You know, when you sit on the saddle and you ride, it also affects your power output. It affect, it can affect your you know your your, your you know your health. Mm -hmm. having having the right the right kind of saddle and what galls me a lot of the time with saddles is the amount of you know just the quantity of options i haven't checked just today but i know you know that the likes of physic or seller italia or whoever have literally dozens of of saddle options probably with you know maybe you know maybe up to around 10 uh, different kind of saddle shapes so how is on earth is anyone supposed mm. to decide what's good for the you know works for them or you know unless they've got the long period of experience about what works for them or if they've had a bike fit that's kind of moved them along in that direction and so for us to comment on how a saddle feels or how good it is whether we think it's good or bad it's kind of misleading because mm-hmm. I can't possibly tell anyone else whether a saddle is good for them or not. Yeah. I can tell them if a saddle is designed for to do a certain thing. Yeah. Or, or if it creaks. Or if it creaks or you know it's not it's poorly made or it's heavy
2: for a certain price point.
1: Yes, exactly. I can we can do that. But what we can't do is the most important thing of all. Yeah. Which is tell you if this saddle is right for you, which is basically what bike radar is all about. What we can do is kind of guide you in a general direction around this is maybe the kind of saddle for you if you require yeah. this kind of characteristic. Yeah, but then you know that testing needs to be done by someone ideally who requires that also, or something in the ballpark therein. So, I think yeah. this is the
2: thing that I you know I talk to a lot of people about writing reviews and all that sort of stuff because you quite often will you know quite often write a review and someone you know even if it's a mate they'll have a different mm. opinion on something I and mean, you're like sure. the the goal of a review is a to like inform you know if it's any good or not but also to you know even if it doesn't work for me it's to say who it will work for like yeah you know i wouldn't necessarily find that x product works for me but if i can communicate who it would work for that's far more useful than me just saying i didn't like this you know, what to. I can write is I didn't particularly like this myself because I'm X, Y, Z. If you're ABC, mm. actually you might find this good or you might not, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree and it could be and other factors come into play here. I could have the same shape of bottom as 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 Simon for example. I could, I don't, but I could <laughs> i am not I've not, not, <laughs> not Would but, you like to have a look? We'd like to I'm have all me. right. But our, but the way we sit on a saddle and our reach requirements and you know the stack height and and the drop from saddle to to bars is entirely different. Therefore the amount pr- the pressure we're putting on is different as well. Skin types different. Mm. Everything else is different as well. It it just it, it's impossible to do a side-by-side comparison. For yeah. these kinds of things.
2: Lovely.
3: Simon? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. Like, saddles are something that, if, if you asked me to do a saddle group test, I think I'd kind of dread it a little mm. bit because there is, uh, you know, a, a high degree of subjectivity. You know, like, what, one thing I've kind of wondered, you know, I have seen some bike fitters say that, uh, including bike fitter James Thomas uh, in the Bike Radar podcast archives. You should look that up. I've heard him say before that he feels there is perhaps people overemphasize the amount of subjectivity. Uh, with with bike saddles and that actually like a Mm. lot of people leave his shop with the same with the same like one saddle model like more than you would perhaps expect Mm. but it's really tricky because as ash has kind of just alluded to like people's bike fits really play into it so if you don't have an optimal bike setup you know you're 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 likely to really feel the effects of the wrong saddle in inverted commas and so it's kind of hard to like you know, if you're not sitting on it right or your reach is too far or your handlebars are too low, you know, that you, you can feel it in the saddle and think, well, this saddle's just not working for me. But it, it actually, the, the issue might be something else. But it but it's really tricky for us, as, as you say, to like, you know, we can't, I mm-hmm. can't, I don't know what someone else's bike fit is like. So if I recommend this saddle, I say it's really, really good. Someone else might sit on it and on their bike and be like, oh, it's just, I don't like work. this. It's not working for me. Yeah. But it could be something else. Or, but you know, or maybe it's just that, yeah, as I said, it, it mm-hmm. fitted my derriere perfectly It it is a really tricky one i don't know if there'll ever be an objective way to test saddle comfort yeah you know i mean we could you know, take it to a lab and find out what the, the spring rate of the foam is or you know something like that but that wouldn't
1: mm. you know that like... still doesn't solve the problem of shape and and interaction with exactly that with that yeah. saddle okay
3: so so that's a really that's a really tricky one and it kind of also works you know the other way in the sense that you know i've had this problem before where like George probably won't mind me telling you but I had a you know little bit back and forth with George where I said this saddle that came on a canyon air road was inappropriate for the bike because it was a very old school saddle didn't include a cutout or whatever and I and I was kind of of the opinion that this was a bad saddle yeah and George was George's you know kind of point was that it is you know it's too subjective to just say it's a bad saddle fair enough you know um but like I kind of like you know, I'm still I'm still not over it. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> obviously not. <laughs> not at <laughs> all. Uh, so
1: um,
3: but do you know what I mean? So like, I, but but there is a kind of. I, I think I had a point, but but he definitely had a point as well. In the sense that I, I think there is like, it's it's very different. I can't prove that it's a bad saddle. Yeah, it, it was my ultimately. That was my subjective opinion. Yeah, I felt it was a bad saddle for an aero bike. Because it should have had an a bike. inappropriate pick, perhaps. Yeah, it should have had a a cutout, more padding, a shorter nose, yeah. know, all of those sorts of things. And perhaps I just didn't communicate that very well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that, you know, a bike that is appropriate for a, a canyon aero or in an aero bike. It might not be so appropriate for an endurance bike, but then, like you say, you've got to get the right bike, the right saddle for the kind of right riding position, for the right bottom, yeah. mm. for the right, you know, because because the, the rider's weight ultimately affects it as well. You know, if you, if you're kind of a heavier rider, you might need firmer padding than yeah. someone who's who's lighter. And okay, you know, all of the, I've even heard that like because pros put so much power through the through the pedals, for example, you're not sitting on the saddle with as much weight. Uh, you know, people will have noticed this, before, I'm sure, in their own riding. But when you're working harder you you know, the saddle isn't taking your weight so much because you're literally on the pedals, right? Yeah. So if you're spending more of your time sat on sat in in the saddle relaxed, doing kind of like, you know, low effort stuff, then your then your saddle comfort is more of a problem mm. almost. Okay.
2: All right, it's an interesting one. Um as a very odd tangent, James Thomas, did you say was the bike fit guy? James Indeed, Thomas? Indeed, yeah. Well, the bike industry is full of people with full names that are made up of two first names James Thomas, <laughs> George Scott, <laughs> yep. uh, Matthew Allen, David Arthur. There are many more, but it's not. Maybe we should do a podcast Jack on that. Jack Luke. <laughs> Our oh, yeah. very own Jack Luke. It <laughs> wow. is something that we have noticed a few years ago, and it's always stuck <laughs> with me. <laughs> There you go. Uh
3: Simon, what was your next tricky thing to test? So my next tricky thing to test is smart trainers. Mm. Now we're just coming towards the end of smart trainer season. Thank God, in uh, my opinion. <laughs> 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 uh, well, I should say that, but like last year, it snowed in March. <laughs> it's <so, laughs> more doing our back of the issue. <laughs> yeah, um, so maybe we're not coming to the end <laughs> of it, you know? Um, you know. The reason smart trainers are, are kind of tricky to test is because they're kind of like a number of things rolled into one. You know, you've got like a, the power meter aspect, you know, which obviously like a smart trainer needs to be able to measure power correctly so that it can know what you're doing, essentially. But then it also has this kind of flywheel system and an electromagnetic brake. And because of the way the two interact, for example, there's just a number of things that need to be tested. So I I can can reel off a kind of whole litany of of things that I test. But obviously, like setup is one, Mm -hmm. you know, that used to be the case that smart trainers were quite difficult to set up. You had to kind of bolt them all together. Now brands have made like a big effort on this recently to kind of basically ship them fully assembled right <laughs> because it used to be really complicated but that used to be a thing you know I have to test the noise so that involved I, nowadays like you know i used to do it sort of subjectively in the sense of like is this quiet or not do i think it's quiet you know does my cat leave the room when i'm riding it mm-hmm. <laughs> that's
1: my favorite measure that's yeah, the only that, measure that, that matters. that's
3: one that i've recently adopted actually because i thought it was quite cool but i use like a, a you know, a tripod with my phone mounted to it and I have a decibel yeah, app yeah. And, and I kind of like, you know, I have a kind of set ride that I do and I overlay the you know, the decibel trace with the power, for example, so and the speed. So you can see that, yeah, it kind of ticks along when you're just riding along, kind of normally it ticks along up, 65 decibels or whatever but then if you start a sprint the noise starts ramping up and you know so it can can kind of do that as well same with the power meter stuff you know i sit in there on my smart trainer with free garmin computers mm. and two power meters on my bike and recording power from the smart trainer then i get all the files together and i put them in my comparison app and see if there's any discrepancies Whoa.
1: i volunteered That's... recently to take take on some of this as well and yeah. uh, i'm regretting it immediately i have
2: to say back in lockdown i uh, very much jumped on the smart bike training thing just simply because and it's so I can ride my I needed yeah. something so I could yeah. pedal. I remember um I can't remember if it was the Wahoo or the stages, but it was delivered on a pallet mm. and like peak COVID, I had to convince my neighbour to uh, put his mask on. I put mine on. We both held our breath and then carried a fifty kilo smart bike up my steps into my oh. <laughs> we're Like This is so naughty I can't and I'm like, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I need I can't <laughs> I
1: need I need, it. I need this need in it.
2: my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was very that was well Totally. I mean, the the technicality that you go into for your test diamonds is, is is mind blowing to someone who's a complete technophobe. But yeah, the practicalities of smart trainers and smart bikes is they're tough things to set up they take up space and they're, they're a very committed thing to test.
3: Yeah and it just requires a lot, there's just a lot to tick off, you know, like erg mode for example, yeah. which is like, you know, where the smart trainer controls the resistance, you just do kind of, you know, to- during on <laughs> while we're on lockdown and things that Tom did, Tom did an <laughs> incredible ramp test <laughs> live, live streamed a ramp test, uh, which is on obviously that's done in erg mode where it just takes you up through steps in power and of course as you discovered, the problem with erg mode is if your cadence drops, mm. it increases increases the resistance because you know power is is, is, yeah yeah force times cadence and so if your cadence drops your power drops and so it's like oh well you need more resistance then and of course then you reach this like spiral of doom where (laughs) it was a (laughs) spiral (laughs) where it just you just grind to a hole and it is the worst thing ever and so but so you know so i kind of like test that thing of like how quickly does a smart trainer jump from say you know 150 watts to 300 watts does it do it smoothly or does it just suddenly like clamp on the power and it can really catch you out if you haven't like ramped up your cadence in advance there are other things like some smart trainers struggle with heat so okay. if you're cli- you know this is kind of like an edge case and you know not it's not like give a trainer one star if it struggles with this but if you're climbing out de Zwift for example which is like a replica of Alk de it basically like in order to simulate this resistance that of the gradient the virtual gradient it's clamping this brake on and uh, and that generates heat and then that extra heat can build up and that can really play havoc with like the power data and the cadence data and stuff oh. like that. And so, yeah, the amount of times I've <laughs> ridden up out the Zwift, just kind of like seeing like, can this trainer handle this heat build up, you know, in my kind of like 20 degree bedroom, right? Yeah. Uh, and so so there's that as well. But yeah, like when I'm doing the power meter testing and this is the same for when I'm testing a power meter as well, but particularly with smart trainers, I do a lot of just general riding because, you know, that that's like, fair you know that's how most no one's doing specific ride to test the accuracy of their smart trainer people just aren't doing it Mm -hmm. so i do loads of general riding but then i also do have a specific ride that takes me through you know it's the same so it's the kind of same for every every smart trainer it takes me through like two zone six intervals three sprints and then a kind of like ramp like a mini ramp of like three steps where it's like five Mm -hmm. minutes five minutes five minutes and and then you know, if the numbers all line up compared to my kind of on bike parameters, obviously, like you know, I'm not looking for like it to have the exact same number in every single second because that's just unrealistic. You know, the, it not not that the power meters can't be that accurate, but the devices I'm rec- recording the data on yeah. are not that accurate. You know, if you say like I've I've done this before, but this is because it's a bit sad and I'm a bit sad. But if you connect the same power meter to two uh, separate bike head units the data doesn't perfectly yeah. agree you know you'll get different averages because they're only recording once per second yeah mm. and so like you know if one records at the end of a second at the beginning of a second you you know you're, that kind of peak number you might get in a sprint for example just be subtly different between the beginning and the end of the second so yeah so there's lots That's of things well. there's lots of things like that and, and this is something that you know i've been refining since lockdown you yeah. know this is when i got into testing smart trainers as well you know when i think back to those days i'll give a shout out to people like dc rainmaker Mm. and shane miller who runs an excellent youtube channel called uh, GP Lama. for example like those guys have been you know we're doing really excellent smart trainer testing Uh, and basically you know we want to be as good as as the best so that's what we try and do and i just kind of keep iterating on things really you know we added the kind of like the power meter accuracy testing early on So like the kind of the climb testing for a thing, for example, you know, you eventually like you spot a trainer that, oh, this one is really struggling with Mm -hmm. this. And so then, oh, okay, well, I should add that to my testing protocol then, because that's if that's something that a smart trainer might struggle with, then I should test everything like that, just to be fair. Great.
2: Okay, we have got two more to go through, but we're going to do it very quickly because there are buses to be caught
3: why don't I just take the next one and you then I can the finish off because my next one was going to be power meters ah, okay. and it's kind of much the same in yeah. the sense that like obviously I don't have to test the resistance of the electromagnetic brake but power meters are much the same in the sense I have to do this riding around with multiple power meters on my bike or then you know comparing the data from a power meter to a smart trainer and looking for inaccuracies and the big the big problem with power meters is not like when they work when you get a good one mm-hmm. like you know the favera pedals we, we kind of talked about earlier it's all very easy uh, in, in general you find that you put them on the bike like you know, you use the torque wrench to install them. You do everything right, and you calibrate them, and then they just work. Yeah. And but the ones that don't work, you're like, well, that's mm, <laughs> that's unexpected. And then you have to second guess yourself and think, what did I did? Have I did I have I done anything wrong here? How have I not installed this correctly? I'm you not know, wanting to kind of blow my own trumpet, but I've tested a lot of parameters meters now. Uh, if I feel like I've done everything right, I, g- I generally have. There have, of course, been occasions where I've, you know, made mistakes and you have to go back and retest them. But, but power meters are a tricky one yeah. as well because, you know, you're measuring not only are you measuring, you know, power of different devices, but you're measuring power in different places, you know, uh, like the difference between a crank spider and a pedal, for example. Like there may be some losses mm-hmm. in the crank, yeah. for example. You know, yeah. something's just getting mechanically lost or, you know, whatever. And, and it, you know, even if... I've got a benchmark power to compare it to that I'm pretty confident has been really reliable over the years. Like maybe just it's having an off day at some point, you know, you have to do lots of testing. So, but again, yeah, like it's just one of those things where, you know, we, we try to do multiple parameters on the bike, compare the data, do as much testing as possible, you know, like, these, these latest pedals, like, try and submerge them in water, try and mm. get them muddy, like, hit them with a hammer, you know, like, just just kind of abuse them.
2: I always think with these, with, 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 like, quite technical things like that, like, saying, oh, maybe I've set it up wrong all that sort of stuff, if you set it up wrong, it's because the instructions aren't very good. And that, for me, is a big, like, if I'm trying to fit something technical or, like, difficult or new or whatever it is, and if I've done it and I've done it wrong, there's partly my own mechanical incompetence, or as Jack Luke says, my potato hands. But also, <laughs> maybe it's because the instructions aren't very clear. You know, yeah. and
3: maybe that's... You
2: know, yeah. I have commented on that in, in reviews in the past, where I said, well, actually, I don't think... Yeah, the description of how to do it's actually been very good.
3: Yeah, that can be the case. And like I said, the best ones are generally much easier because they just work and there aren't yeah. really any problems with them. But yeah, when when something does come along that, you know, it, when there's a discrepancy, we have to basically just go down a big rabbit hole of like, Why? you know, can I iron this discrepancy out? Even if it takes a load of effort, is it possible to get good data from this? Because it's really, you know, it's really critical that, you know, a power meter is like a ruler, essentially, you're buying a measurement device, and you wouldn't want a ruler on which the scale was completely inaccurate, it would just be... Re- ridiculous yeah. so either you know, we have to kind of like if we're not answering that question in the review is this power meter doing what it promises to do we're kind of like not doing our job so yeah it's tricky but we have to like it, you know have to iron out all of those little creases and make sure that yeah even if the instructions aren't very good you know maybe we can do our public service duty <laughs> and make you know rewrite the instructions in our review of how to get mm, accurate data That's it. Ash.
1: Well, speaking of public service duty, do you find that, especially with power meters and smart trainers specifically, do you find getting, you know, rinsing out all the jargon and making it easy to understand for someone who's kind of new to the power meter or smart trainer market is kind of an an additional. Complication, because to do so can be to introduce some kind of, you know, non-accuracy. If you know what I mean.
3: Yeah, I do know what you mean, and and I think you know my reviews, especially with smart trainers and power meters, like probably I, you know, I try to keep them easy to read, but they are more complicated than Mm -hmm. your average review, but. But at the same time, I think for you know what I try and do is keep the introduction and the conclusion <laughs> nice, nice and, and tight, yeah. nice and tight. And then if they don't want to read all the detail and they just want to know is it accurate, is the ride feel good, yeah. is it easy to install, I just yeah. say those things in the conclusion and in the intro. And then if they want to skip the rest, people can. As long as you've clicked on it,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> then I'm happy. No, there we go. Ash, what is your final thing that is tricky to test?
1: My final thing, and it's kind of similar sort of thing to saddles for similar reasons, actually. So we could have easily have segued this way. Oh. But we didn't. Sorry. That's uh, okay. We, if you're not interested in smart trainers or power meters, you can just skip to this part of the podcast. <laughs> and, well, you've got to and, say that before we do it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Sorry about that. Um, shoes. 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 Fine shoes. Uh, a, a challenge, again, to get right. But not because I necessarily test loads of them for, for Bike Radar, but a lot of the team test shoes. We and all wear them. We all wear them, indeed. And the thing, the thing is, again, in a similar way to how everyone's sit bones are very different, and how you interact with the saddle is very different. Everyone's foot shape is incredibly different. Um, you can have a narrow heel and a wide foot pad, you know, footbed at the, at the at the far end. You can have you need long toes. You can have short squat toes. You can have a wide foot, short, you know, narrow bunions. Foot. Bunion's. You can have at high volume so or high arches, low arches, and you don't need any extra support, and or maybe you do. And you know, it's it's a very complicated very fundamental part again of your bike fit um and so but but shoes themselves they're, they're very difficult to objectively convey what a shoe offers but in order to do that the main challenge i think that we mo you know actually all the writers that do um shoe reviews for us have got right is that they're able to take okay this is my this is my foot this is the shape of my foot and you know i'm finding that there's lots of space at the back but you've got to acknowledge whether that's ordinary for you or not in order to give some context so that's actually useful for 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 people you know is this is this a a narrow fit shoe is it a wider fit shoe you know and so it's just it's it's being as objective as we can and acknowledging you know the subjectivities that we're, that we're playing with in terms of the unique f- shoe fit yeah and so that can be quite difficult the other challenge with shoes as well is the blessed stiffness index that sits on the bottom of usually carbon sold um or you know composite carbon sold uh shoes um where you'll get a random number it's this out, out of 13 No, this, this one, yeah. yeah but <laughs> this way. one is 15 Oh, you know and or whatever you know and you'll have that like, these numbers that are just arbitrary yeah, you know they have they bear no relation to any kind of sort of flexion or anything like that. It's just the arbitrary number that's been given. The shoe brand doesn't even make fifteen kinds of souls, you know. Like, but they still rate one out of fifteen. Whereas another will be thirteen, another will be nine, and there'll be another one that's six at the bottom end of the range. You say, well, what happened to all the other numbers? Yeah. Why not just have out of five? It's but, a very like
3: Spinal Tap, isn't it? I was going to say only up to eleven, yeah, but yeah. actually, <laughs> we'll add a bit
2: more. Add a bit this more. is as one well. higher. Yeah,
1: and of course, then you know, as is common in the bike industry everyone assumes that stiffer is better yeah higher is better more is better and it's not you know it is it is irrefutable that it is not better it's better for a very specific usage case if you fit properly but it's not if you're trying yeah. to you know if you want a more comfortable ride or you you know you're just looking for the best fit
3: i think this yeah this this is something that i had to kind of like reassess my opinions on like uh, a couple of years ago when there was some research published in a scientific journal that basically said past a certain point like once you get you know plastic cycling shoes stiffness doesn't really add any additional performance uh, and I and I had really liked long being in the font of like you know bont shoes for example which uh, use super super stiff soles and I still really like them I think they can be really comfortable I've, I personally find flexible road shoes like quite uncomfortable it feels like the arches of my feet have to do a lot of more work to like stabilize my foot
1: you're sort of not as fixed or as supported in yeah, some sort of way
3: yeah but A really stiff shoe, if it doesn't fit well, can be incredibly uncomfortable. And there's no denying that more flexible shoes are more forgiving. And yeah, in terms of like extra watts, You know, we published this article on, you know, does cycling shoes stiffness matter? And when we asked around for brands, you know, do you have any evidence to counter this claim? They all just kind of came back and said, well, of course, stiffer shoes lead to more watts. You know, less flex equals more power. No one actually showed us any research or data or anything like that. So, you know, the kind of the data and research that we have says that it doesn't make a difference to performance. I don't
1: know about anyone else, but the bottom of my feet are quite squishy yeah yeah they're not particularly stiff yeah maybe so, that's why i don't go very fast actually. maybe
2: <laughs> <laughs> i have to say that shoes on the mountain bike side of things it's one of my favorite things mm. to test i love testing shoes partly because i love shoes i have a big <laughs> collection of shoes whether they're cycling or not and i Absolutely love them, but I think there's there's obviously, there's maybe a bit more in some respects going on with the mountain bike shoe, because you have to take into account, like, tread patterns, tread clearing, how grippy is it, you know, the cleat entry and exit for a shoe on is much more guided on a mountain bike shoe, um, and like, padding, protection, stiffness, insoles, yeah. there's loads going on, like mm. mud, like, we have little gaiters around the tops of our ankles to stop mud getting on some of them, and I, I love testing shoes.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, I think I think it's kind of maybe this is a very sweeping statement, but I do think that actually mountain, you know, mountain bike kit, has a lot more elements to it that need to be tested, need to be thoroughly sort of gone over. When you get to the road and and arguably, I mean, okay, gravel's kind of somewhere in the middle, but on the road side of things, it's usually just it's minute details yeah, that make differences.
2: I think, like you know, when I started my illustrious illustrious <laughs> <It's> illustrious <laughs> oh, what award-winning career, um,
3: you can follow Tom on, Tom on LinkedIn <laughs> if you want all the full details. If anyone's looking to hire a...
1: <laughs> Tom Big Show Marvin.
2: Um, I started when I started. I was very quick to sort of be enveloped into the road fold, and it, it's Tiff, You are picking out such small nuances in performance Mm. a lot of the time, which both makes it interesting in some respects, but also very difficult to do. So I I don't envy the both of you because I feel I've now jumped into a slightly easier world of mountain bike testing which, as you say, the differences can be a bit more stark and a bit more varied because Mm. of the varying sort of requirements.
1: Tell you what, Simon, he's wormed his way out of it though, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) As
2: long as I've got a gravel bike in my garage, that's all I need. That's all you
1: need. It's as road as it gets these days. Exactly.
2: Right then, thank you ever so much, Ash and Simon, for contributing towards that. Again, of course, if you have enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, don't forget to give it a rating. And if you've got any comments, questions, or anything else you'd like to tell us about our podcasts, our email address is podcast at bikereadder.com. We read every email we receive and we reply to most of them. Um so please drop us a line. Of course, we will have more tech a's So if you've enjoyed the techiness of this podcast, but you've got any follow-up questions send them through podcast podcastaboutradar.com and maybe we'll cover it off in a future tech Q&A podcast. So thanks once again, Ash. Thank you, Simon. And we'll be back again soon with another Bike Radar podcast. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've
1: enjoyed this episode.